The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit podcast, first bite edition, midweek edition. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the editor-in-chief at Pride of Detroit. There was a little lull in practice today. They went through a walkthrough on Thursday. So we are here with a very special podcast with a very special guest, Eric Schlitt, the managing editor of Pride of Detroit. At Eric Schlitt on Twitter is with us to answer your questions about Lions training camp. We're, We're just over a week into training camp. A lot of things have happened. Pads are finally on. Eric, how are we feeling today? Do, do I count as a guest if I'm on the Green Room podcast every week with you and Ryan? I don't know. I feel like question. I'm not. I feel like I'm not a guest anymore. The podcast is splintered into so many things that I feel like you're still a guest on First Bite, but not a guest okay. on the POD cast. All right. Is that um, fair? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's fair. Uh, I, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like... Um, I feel like I'm gonna have you, re, re, uh, you know, take the guest part out from 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 now. On. <laughs> we'll see. Well, you know what? It, it's, it's, do I have it's, to hit the year? Maybe. One year? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, you're you're old, you're still. I mean, you're you're not even into your rookie season. We're still in the rookie preseason of your your pride of Detroit <laughs> career here. <laughs> Uh, but in case you're wondering what, what's going to happen on this podcast, and it's another reason you should be following our Twitch account, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. We're just going to be answering questions this entire time because we know you guys have a lot of, of players that you're interested in, interested in hearing about how they're doing. Um, you know, a lot of you probably haven't gotten a chance to go out to camp. There's only been a few available to the public and most of them are in the morning where it's kind of tough to get there. So we're here to answer your questions. Um, before we get into, um, some of them as, um, as we look at the, the live chat here, um, Eric, I just want you to give your kind of first impressions. We're, we're a weekend. You've seen a, a padded practice or two. Um, we, we, we kind of, you know, throw in some OTAs and minicamp. I think we kind of have an idea of how this team is going to be coaching and, and maybe a little bit of an idea of how they're going to look this year. Yeah, I, I think we got a good taste of the coaching um, in the spring. And uh, if anything, they've continued to raise their level uh, of what my expectations were. So the coaching has really taken nice steps forward. I, I, I liked how they've um, 
been disciplined, but then putting uh, responsibilities on the players, uh, their energy level is there. The uh, resources that they've made available to the players are, are very uh, helpful and just like it's just common sense stuff that wasn't there pre- previously that's there now, which is uh, yeah. terrific. Um, as far as the like the, the roster, um, there's been it's it's for the most part it's been about what we expect, but there's been a few things that have you know I think gone the opposite way. Like the receiver group, I don't think isn't quite hitting the expectations. Uh, the quarterback play was, uh, you know, I don't want to say it was better in the spring, but we were hoping it would take a step. It hasn't quite taken a step. Um, Running backs have looked a little bit better than what, you know, even though we had higher expectations. Offensive line has been great, but we knew, you know, there's some problems with the reserves. Defensive line has been, I think, better than expected. Uh, And I think you can almost say that across the board for the defense. Linebacker, yeah, right? And so um, there's, like, individuals who have stood out who we can, you know, go into detail a little bit more, uh, you know, as we go. But, like... Overall, the defense has been better. The offense has been slow to ramp up. And, uh, you know, it's not unexpected. I think we're just... You you grow accustomed to watching a certain style of play, right? And then when you see a, a corresponding, you know, player who doesn't quite have that same skill set... It throws you, you know, and I think it takes yeah. a little bit to uh, a little bit to get used to because when we went out there and we watched um, we watched uh, number nine throw the ball, it was beautiful, you know what I mean? It, it was always a good throw, and it was always a fun throw to watch, and and, and it's different here, you know. Uh, I think the you know, I, again, I don't want to get too far in. I don't know if we have questions, but I mean, like, I, I could go. We could just start rambling right now. <laughs> well, you're, uh, you're trying just, to get me in trouble with I'll Stafford pause. talk. I'm not allowed to talk about Stafford anymore. Uh, well, you know what? <laughs> you know what? Who's here? I, I'm not going to stop you. Uh, here's the thing. Um, uh, look, I've I've said this so many times before. There are only so many NFL level quarterbacks in this world, right? Mm-hmm. There's probably like. 20 to 25 qual- guys who can actually play this game. And then there's another seven who can't play the game but are starting anyways. And then there's a whole slew of guys that are that are backups who are trying to make it. I do think Stafford and Goff are both in that 25 of quarterbacks who can play the game. Right. Um, it's, just a, it's, it's just a different level of arm talent and a different level of moxie. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not trying to like you know rain on our parade here. Uh, it's just different, and it takes some uh, getting used to. You know, yeah. There's throws that we watch in practice that we're used to seeing that ball should be gone, and right. and then it's not, and, and and it's completed, but it's completed for a five yard pass instead of a forty five yard pass. You know, or a forty five right. yard shot, which you know, so. It's a different style, you know, it's a different yeah. style of offense that, and I think that's part of it. Like maybe that's my own um, prejudice. Like I'm, ex- I was expecting the offense to be a little bit further ahead and, and, and I'm used to seeing the offense that's a little further ahead. Right. So that's my, that's, you know, I, I'll pause my thoughts on that because I feel like I'm cutting you off here. Well, no, and, and it's interesting. There are definitely some people asking about Jared Goff in, in the chat, which is not surprising since he's one of the major storylines of, of the 2021 Lions. And, you know, I, I think it's fair to say I'm, I've come away a little bit underwhelmed um, from him in, in camp thus far. I, I, I think you, you kind of said it 
perfectly. Like we expected them to be better further along, I think, at this point, given where we what we saw at, at OTAs and minicamp, because he actually looked pretty good at minicamp at times. Um, yeah. But it was it was a lot of red zone work then. It wasn't a lot of deep shots. And and the problem I think a lot of us are seeing is that those deep shots still aren't coming. And like you said, Matthew Stafford is a guy that's going to crank one out if uh, if he sees one on one coverage. Jared Goff just might not be that guy. And uh, Anthony Lynn made a couple interesting comments today um, talking about the, the deep ball and, and saying, like, I, I'm OK with him just taking what the defense is giving him. That's that's what I'm looking for right now. And it, it, it really sounds to me like this is a team that is really going to try to run the ball and just take occasional deep shots. They're not going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. They're not going to be the team that, that, that tries to air it out and, and really put the pressure on the defense through the air. I think they're just going to kind of pick their spots. and. You know, it, you're right. It, it, I think it's going to take an adjustment period for all of us just to get used to that, because that's not what it's been like for the past 12 years. I mean, they've tried to establish a running game, but it's never happened. Um, who knows if Anthony Lynn will, will be able to do that and, and we can maybe get into what the running game looks like a little bit so far. But I think you're right. It's just it's it's a big adjustment. It's something different. And we haven't seen it click yet, but there's I mean, we're just getting started here. Yeah. And I think we should clarify something. Um, it's not going to be Jim Bob Cooter either. It's not going to be like three yards short of the sticks, you know, type of passes all the time. Like, I don't think that's part of the mentality. Um, he's been doing a lot of checkdowns, but I, I think there's a variety of reasons. And, and I believe you talked about this on Monday, right? Where, where yeah. you listed a few different reasons why he could be taking the checkdown. He's coming off a, um, a couple of years where he's had a lot of turnovers and he's trying to. Uh, offset that he's not totally comfortable with the uh, receiver core who is brand new right and um it's just he's he's just doesn't have that chemistry yet right so i think all of those factors kind of go into play i don't think it's just one i think there's a combination of things and what'll be interesting to watch is does he get loose as august moves on because if he doesn't then you start to get a little bit more worried all right, let's uh, let's jump into some questions here because we have a lot. Um, Winfield asks, if you had to make a good guesstimation, what wide receiver uh, does it see? What wide receiver number does Cephas does it look like Cephas might get? So what what position will, will Cephas play in, and where will he be on the depth chart? Yeah, I think coming out of the spring, we thought he was going to be wide receiver four, right? Uh, but it looks like he's been passed by Khalif Raymond, and it looks like Cephas is probably wide receiver five now. Um, but I don't think that's totally bad uh, because he's still in the, very much in the mix, uh, in my opinion, and, and he's shown some flashes here and there. But I think one of the most telling things is you're, you have your clear starters in Williams, Perryman, and, and St. Brown. And then when... Um, Williams had to exit to get his uh, his we dislocated his, his finger. Um, it was Raymond who stepped up into that role, right, with the starters. And so that I think, look, there's your clear indicator that Raymond's probably wide receiver four, because that could have easily been, you know, Cephas because Cephas is repped on the at the X as well. You know what I mean? So, like, we could have seen him jump in, but we didn't. We, it was Raymond. So I think that's kind of the hierarchy right now. And it's interesting, too, because it's not like Cephas is having a bad camp. He's he's kind of all over the place right. in, in, in yeah. a good way. Um, he's he's a guy that that he caught that deep ball from Boyle, I think, um, which is something we, we haven't seen a lot out of him yet is, is the deep ball. Uh, yeah. And I think what's interesting to me is they're really using a lot of their guys as both inside and outside guys. Khalif mm-hmm. is an inside Especially, outside guy. Yeah. Amon Ra is an inside mm-hmm. outside guy. 
Cephas is, I mean, so is Victor Bolden. Like all these guys are bringing some versatility and all of them bring something a little bit different too. So you got speedy guys like Khalif Raymond and you got a speedy guy um, in Victor Bolden, but you know, we're giving Cephas, you know, wide receiver four, wide receiver five, whatever designation. But I think they might play these guys based on matchups, you know, because because they bring something so different. Yeah. I mean, look, we've seen them. We've seen them play matchup game on defense already yeah. uh, with yeah. Melifonu specifically. Yep. Um, and so I, I, I absolutely think that they're going to play a little matchup on offense as well. You want to you, you play a team with smaller corners. You go after them with, uh, you know, some bigger receivers. You don't have the shifty guys. Then Raymond is, is the guy that you're going to throw in there a lot more. Um you know, uh, Tyrell Williams can play in the slot, too. I think Perryman's the only one they haven't really featured inside that's, you know, stood out anyways. Right. But um, for the Cephas fans out there, you know, I, I know he gets the he gets bagged on a lot for his poor 40. Um, he's found ways to separate, you know, like he's yeah. he's there were a couple of routes against Oluarie, who is an elite athlete with terrific speed that he just he took a step and, and got him to bite. And then he cuts up and he he's separated and and um, the quarterbacks haven't been taking them but there was what two days ago he was five yards deep on yeah. everybody yeah and, and no and, and no one uh and the ball just didn't go his way like they i had checked it down already or they had gone to somewhere over the middle or something like that but like the the talent is there and the speed isn't what it is for the other guys but he has some other intangibles that i think really make him interesting especially Considering he's, you know, these guys make jumps from from year one to year two. Yeah. Uh, Bryson Boyle asks, uh, how has Jamie Collins uh, looked? He has a history of not looking too good outside of the Patriots teams, as well as any word on Deshaun Hand. Uh, so with Collins, I, I, I think it's he's, he's playing a couple of different roles. Right. Uh, and I, I don't want to <laughs> I don't know how much we can say, but um, basically he's playing the mic. The majority of the time, but then there are often cases situationally where they will flip him in Anzalone because remember Anzalone played the mic as, as well. So it's not it's easy for them to switch depending on what they want to do. If they want to focus on covering a tight end, you might see Anzalone matched out uh, on that inside guy and, and Collins at the mic. But if you want to cover a, uh, maybe a fullback or a running back, right, you might see you might see him flip flop. If you want to see uh, if you want to bring the blitz, you might see him flip flop. Right. So they've been using them different spots at different times uh but it sure seems like collins is the guy that they want to be uh you know the number one guy out there uh my guess is if we're looking at snap percentages collins would be the the linebacker that leads the charge every week you agree with that yeah for sure i mean i think he's a guy that's expected to kind of be a leader amongst this group too obviously he's a a 10-year vet um in terms of his fit and how he's looked so far in camp it's still a little bit early, um, but he's a guy that I, I don't want to say it looks like he's coasting out there, but he's not a guy that I think has to has much to prove on the practice field right now. Um, you know, he's, he's made a couple of good plays as a run defender, and um, it, it'll be interesting to see if they use him as a pass rusher, because one thing that been of change at, at training camp this year is there's been a lot more blitzing like I don't I, 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 I think I'm OK saying that. Hopefully I'm not. Hopefully I don't get a call from the lines, but. The lines have been sending a lot of guys and uh, yeah. from from all from all over. Yes, from everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so that's kind of an aspect of his game that I'm interested to see because we didn't really get to see any of it under under Patricia. And he's an athletic dude. He's a guy that I think that's yeah. in his wheelhouse. 
Look, if they... Uh, he's the prototype for what Derek Barnes could be, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I, I think they can... A lot of the ways that p- people envision Derek Barnes being used, that's how Jamie Collins can be used right now. Um, so uh, there was a second part to that question after Jamie Collins. What was that? Uh, Sean Han. Does he look stronger to you? He does look thicker. He looks strong. Yeah, stronger. Right. I mean, to me, yeah. Anyways, like, um, um, he, we've seen him mostly at the three, sometimes at the four eye. Uh, we've even seen him in that NASCAR package, uh, Mm -hmm. at an old familiar spot at the nose. Uh, so we've seen some positional range. Starters on the D line have been Nick Williams, uh, McNeil, and then Brockers. But when Brockers got the tenuritis uh, days off, <laughs> it was it, it was Deshaun Hand. Yeah. And then at the same time, when Brockers was in there and Williams needed a rest, it was Deshaun Hand. Right. right. So I think Sean, Deshaun Hand is the guy that they're kind of looking at as that primary backup at both of those two spots. Uh, Onzerike is going to be in the mix once he gets there, just because the talent's there. But McNeil, I mean McNeil, I don't want to get on a McNeil rant right now but mcneil is very much going to be in the mix yeah. on those as well not just the nose like he is going to be on those threes uh, and on those four eyes because he is a he looks special right doesn't yeah, I mean, I, he looks special well honestly like i i could talk about the defensive tackles all day because yeah. they they are living up to their billing i think everyone looks better than they did the previous year i think that hand looks better i think nick williams has, has made a lot of plays early in camp and yeah. Uh, we haven't seen a ton from Michael Brockers because he's getting a lot of senioritis or whatever it is. And I wanted to point out today during walkthroughs, he was going through walkthroughs, but he was the only person not wearing a helmet. And I don't understand why. I don't know if it was an injury <laughs> thing or if it's just like a like a veteran move. Like, I'm I'm not going to wear the helmet, but I'm I'm very impressed with this group. And the fact that, you know, we're not we haven't even seen the line second round pick do anything. We haven't seen Onzerike do yeah. anything. Um, means that this this is a really talented group even and even the depth like you look at a, a guy like Kevin Strong he had a really solid first day of, of pads and you're just like he's gonna be a tough cut but he might be yeah. the odd man out just because they're so stacked there right now he still has that first step and he looks stronger as well a lot of the yeah. returning defensive linemen look stronger um, almost across the board on the defense you hear these guys saying yeah, I dropped 10 pounds and I'm stronger, you know, and right. I've got more muscle like yep. because they all they all look thinner and they all have dropped weight, but they all have been stout. Right. So yep. it's 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 kind of crazy. The linebackers drop the amount of weight the linebackers have dropped is really lunacy. But um, yeah, I mean, look, they've been pushing Cornell in the mix yeah. as well. And I think Cornell's got his lunch handed to him a few too many times. Uh, I think Strong's look better. But they're not giving up on him. And, you know, with that suspension, you know, he's going to get a little bit extra time. And uh, who knows what he what he can do behind closed doors once the season starts. Next question comes from D Hargis 54. He says, biggest surprise on offense and defense. It can be good or bad. But I, I want to jump in here first. And yes, since please, we're already please, on please. the topic, my my biggest surprise is how quickly Aleem McNeil has looked like he's belonged. Like he and Frank Ragnow are like, take your pick on each each rep. Like Ragnow, yeah. Ragnow's looked good. Don't get me wrong. And and put anyone else against Ragnow, he, he's great. But like yeah. that's way more of an even matchup than I expected it to be. And listen, I'm not a huge draft guy, so when the Lions pick a, a nose tackle in the third, I'm I'm, I'm scratching my head a little bit. But 
Aline McNeil, like you, you called it from the get go. Like he, you thought he was going to start from day one. He has. And the fact that he has started from day one, it knows and looked like, like everyone said, he's more than nose tackle because he's yeah. knifing in the backfield. He's, he's got that quick first step. He's twinkle toes. He's, you know, whatever, whatever you want to call him. He's doing spin moves. He's doing spin moves out there <laughs> at nose. And, and it, it's crazy to me. And like, I don't want to, I don't get my hopes too high for, you know, a, a rookie defensive lineman, but we're going to see yeah. a heck of a lot of him this year. And, and if he stays healthy, like, I think he can really, really make a noticeable difference. Yeah. Like uh, it might not be long before he's DT three, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, uh, at, uh, at the outside, at the, at the four and the three, you know what I mean? He might right. be at the top reserve at those spots. He's looked that good. Um, it's, it, what's crazy is that some of these guys that have been injured or, um, you know, on, on, a, on a list, right. Or whatever, not been able to practice. They have been getting left behind. Like, it seems like almost every guy that was on a list that couldn't start the season, someone else has taken that opportunity to step up in their place. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll give you um, an offensive guy that has surprised. I don't want to say, I guess, surprises. He's looked better than I anticipated. Uh, and that's Decker, like uh, who I've already been high on. OK, I already think Taylor Decker's been a top 10 tackle. I don't know if he's gotten beat that I've seen. And I've seen him absolutely ragdoll some of those reserve defensive linemen. And those reserve defensive linemen are beating up on the reserve offensive linemen. But I watched Cornell match up against uh, Decker uh, when they did their three on threes. And that's not fair. <laughs> the first thing he did was he grabbed him and he just put him on the back. And then the second thing he did was he grabbed him and he ran him out of the end zone like Michael Orr, right? Like, you know, wow. in the right Buckeye, like, Buckeye crime there, too. <laughs> <laughs> he he just waxed him. And again, now this is reserves. And so he should be doing that. But like that's he's usually just been like a very solid technician, right? Yeah. I feel like there's more to his game this year. Maybe there's more aggression. Maybe it's more of him trying to be a leader. Uh, but I've I've gone on record and said Ragnar is my guy. Like I think he's the top player on this team. I, I, Decker is making a case to be considered number two. Right? Uh, he's been playing well. Uh, and look, when you put those two guys on the field, it only makes Jonah Jackson's job easier. And, and then it makes your, I mean, it just, it just, it just there's a domino effect that yeah. goes along with having this, a good offensive line. So uh, I've really liked Decker. I thought he's probably better than expected. All right. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to answer more of your questions live here on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. So join us right off the break. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome back to First Bite, our midweek podcast here with Eric Schlitt talking about Lions training camp. We're a weekend taking live questions here on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Next question comes from the Chicken Shop asks, are you buying into the Okuda talk? Do you buy that he still has a chance of being a legit cornerback one? I know you know my answer, Eric, but I'm going to let you go, go first. Oh, you're going to no, let me no, go, go first? Ahead. Yeah, please, please. I am 100% in on the Okuda train. <laughs> 100% in on the Okuda train. I mean... If you guys could have been out here last training camp, he was just such a true rookie that like you wouldn't notice him on the field. Like he'd be quiet. He'd, he, you know, obviously he'd be running with the ones, but like he was just taking a, taking in so much that you could just tell. Like, it, I mean, it's it's a completely different way that he carries himself right now. Completely different. And he's confident. He's having fun. He he's making plays like I don't think he has a pick yet, but he's broken up a, a handful of passes and he hasn't really been out of position yet. I think on, on really anything he got. There was one double move. Uh, uh, I think it was yesterday that, that got him, but it wasn't even, you know, he wasn't like wide, widely out of position. And I don't know. I just you, you listen to the guy talk. You, you listen to the way coaches talk about him and the way he talks about coaches. It feels like he's in the right place at the right time right now. I, I really think he's going to turn it on right away. And and I think from there, he's only going to get better because that guy, I, I don't think you can find a guy more motivated to get better on that on that practice field. Yeah, I think the swagger is the most noticeable. For sure. um, and that comes with the confidence that he has. Um, he's he's such an aggressive learner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's if we look back and I don't want to tangent off too much here, but if, if you remember when the, the Patriots were in town for joint practices um, and the, when the Patriots were on the field and Tom Brady would uh, he'd go through his motions and then they'd switch, they'd swap roles and the Lions offense would be on the field. Well, Brady, every time that the Brady left the field, he went over with a staff member of the Patriots. And he worked on his throwing motion. Like, Every like it was he just consistently consistency. He he never stopped working at, at at any point during that practice. And you see similar things in some of these Lions guys. And, and I'm not trying to you know compare him to Brady, but I'm saying that there's that mentality of I need to get better. I need to learn. I need to be perfect. And repetition creates muscle memory and all this other stuff. Right. So he's constantly working, whether it's working with uh, Aubrey Pleasant every single special teams period or he's going over and he's checking the video board or he's talking to uh, the younger players and trying to help them along. He just seems to have total control over his environment right now. His confidence is there and he's utilizing it and he's just, he seems very, you know, uh, 
he seems just very aggressive in trying to just be the best player that he can be. And so I, I do think there's still going to be times when he's going to show that he's still a young corner. But at the same time, you can see the potential just bubbling up from him. Uh, and he'll make mistakes. Like, he, he makes mistakes. Uh, oh, there's yeah. no doubt about it. Like, the, that's just the nature of the beast. And he's, he's there's a lot he's having to unlearn to learn from all pro, all pro Aaron Glenn here, right? right. But it's almost um, like a second rookie year, like a, it, it's yeah, but yeah, and he but he looks like yeah, he looks. It's just he looks like he's made for the job. Like yeah. it, it, it's not wearing that twenty three. It may have some magic in it or something because <laughs> right. you know what I mean. I mean, he's so. he's following the exact footsteps of Slay. Like he had yeah. the thirty three. He had the thirty. He he literally yeah. said at camp this this week or last week, like I had to get out of that thirty. I had to get out of it. I had to get a new number. And I don't think he picked twenty three necessarily uh, to to mimic Slay. But and, and and just the other thing I wanted to add is it wasn't like he was disengaged last year. I think he was, I think he just was overwhelmed and he'd quieter. be the first to tell you that yeah. he, he, he was quieter because he was taking so much in. Now yeah. he, he, I feel, I feel like he's just got a coaching staff that resonates with him, uh, a defense. that's maybe a little simpler for him to pick up now. And he's not thinking as much. He's just going out there and doing. And um, I know that sounds just kind of like training camp talk, but I, I, I swear, like, I, I wish every Lions fan could just watch the way he practiced last year versus this year, because it is a complete 180, complete 180. You know, look, there is a freedom that some of these guys get at practice that was not present last right. year. Yeah. And, and and if your set is not on, how you choose to spend your time is kind of up to you. Right. And we've seen guys go to the sideline, take a knee and try and catch your breath. We've seen guys use a video board, like like I said, referred with Okuda earlier. Um, some guys are talking to each other. Some guys are, are seeking out coaches. Like, it's, it's, there's more freedom, and, and, and he's utilizing that as, as it seems like every second he's there. Uh, next question comes from, I'm not sure how to pronounce this, Oroxo. Uh, he's been asking about Will Harris. Um, what will his role be this year? It sounds like he's having a good camp but his play has been so bad in the past two years. Are yeah. you buying Will Harris stock right now, Eric? Not yet. Uh, it's rising. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not there yet. I mean, yeah. he's looked, he, he looks better. He's, he's playing smoother. He's playing faster. He's playing more athletic. Like he's a very, he's a, he's a better athlete than I think we give him credit for. And, um, he's playing with a smaller field. Right, with part of the split safety look, so he's got a smaller coverage area, smaller responsibilities. Uh, he's playing faster, and, and so all of those things are translating to um, some success. At the same time, there was there are still mistakes, and there are mistakes that are obvious, and there are mistakes that are only obvious to the coaches who are calling the plays. Um, you know, he was called out by the coaching staff uh, on a certain play that I don't, I, you know, I'm not going to get into details on it, but it was a simple uh, mistake. He was supposed to be in one spot and he was six inches the wrong way. And um, because he was in the wrong spot, it, 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 it created a, a problem for the player behind him. Right. And so those are correctable things, but there's still mistakes that are being uh, made. But I'm more encouraged, I guess, than I would have been if I would have thought the Will Harris of last year was uh, going to be the guy starting. Uh, 
I want to go back to Okuda a second because Jay Pice asked, you know, we've heard so much about Okuda's change in mindset, but how how does his play actually look? Is he winning his matchups? I feel like he should be owning opponents in drills due to our lack of wide receiver talent. And to to answer that, I would say mostly, yeah. Like, like I said, he hasn't gotten an interception yet, but he's gotten his hands on a lot of balls. Uh, I mean, I would say he's, he's in general winning more than he isn't against Tyrell Williams in, in camp. Um, yeah. But yeah, but like Eric said, like the, the mistakes are here and there. I thought it was really entertaining to watch him go up against Amonra St. Brown for three reps uh, out of like 10. And we, we just wrote a, a neat story on that. And, it was really, it was kind of even there. And, and I, I know some people might hear that and be like, ooh, Jeff Okuda with even reps against a fourth round rookie. That's that's scary. But, um, you know, it wasn't like he was getting beat deep. It was a lot of like out routes and, and stuff between yeah. like five and 15 routes. And, um, and and Okuda was there. Like he, he just, you know, it's not even being a full step behind. It's almost like he's a half step behind on, on some of these. And, and it's only going to be a matter of time to me that, that he closes that gap and starts, you know, really getting his hands on the ball. Yeah, I was gonna say the, there's not there's not much yak against him, right. like very very rarely, um, and we've seen him stand guys up at the goal line. You know, uh, St. Brown caught one. Uh, there was a crosser over the middle. Uh, they threw it like right at St. Brown's feet. It was a great catch. Uh, yep. He caught it, and he would should have been able to just like fall into the end zone for the touchdown, but he caught it and then Akuda right. just buried him. And yep. so then like, uh, you know, St. Brown got up and spun the ball. Like, look at me. I made that great catch. And all of us were like, yeah, there's no way he got in. Right. Yeah, Akuda's like, literally <laughs> pointing to the goal line. Like you didn't get there. Right. And so like, even when there's stuff that's happening in front of him and he's, he's just, he's right there all the time. And he's, he's such a, again, a technician, uh, and he's willing to put his hat in there and be physical. You know, there's a, there's, you start adding all these positives up. It starts making a, a, a really interesting player that should have some great success. Uh, you know, he's just developing. And, and I still think the, the sky's the ceiling. Uh, next question comes from Cromanius. Who's your guy who you mu- think might be on the outside looking in that you'd really like to see make the team? <sighs> That's a good one. Uh, do you have a guy off the top of your head? Let me see if I can get. I'm one. thinking about maybe the linebacking core because there's a lot of interesting prospects there that um, oh, have, have, have made a lot of plays. Like Anthony Pittman is a guy who who had a really good camp up until yesterday, which I think he, he struggled a bit in coverage there. Sean Dion Hamilton is another one who I mean I don't know yeah. he might already be on the inside to be honest. Like he's having a heck of a camp. He and, may bounce Reeves Maven right yeah. because Reeves Maven's not here. Right. I mean, well, plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, it's a, there's still a lot of time for Reese Maven sure. to, to make up time. And you have to imagine, you know, just based on COVID protocol timing, he should be back next week, assuming he still doesn't have it, um, mm-hmm. even if much, he even has it at all. Right, but how much but there's there's a uh, next week, there's a, uh, a preseason game. How fast right. is he going to get up to speed? Because, you know, probably won't play in that game. Hamilton's going to be ahead of him in that game. And so yep. when you only have three games and you miss one of them, like yeah. that's, that's not going to look great. Right. And then if they start using the starters a lot more in game two, well, he's not going to get on the field as much in game two anyway. So like there's a hill yeah. for Reeves Maven to climb here. Uh, and while his special teams is excellent, uh, my guy that I'm going to pick here, uh, Bobby Price is Almost a, a he looks like he's as close to a roster locket as CJ Moore at this point. Mm-hmm. Now we'll see what happens, and if they don't want to keep five safeties, then you know he's it's, it could be a little harder. But 
Bobby Price is almost as big as Reeves Mayman. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he yeah. is, and he's super athletic. And he has just been a dynamic player on special teams. First one, he's the first gunner. Uh, him and Mike Ford, first two gunners to take reps every time. Uh, when they are rush, running down the field to try and tackle the guys on kickoff, he's the first one to engage uh, that that return man. Like um, every time, right? He's just there's a combination of things in in, in his athleticism. Uh, he's really setting himself up. And so, if you're looking at your roster. You're like, I want to keep five linebackers and I want to keep five safeties. And Dion Hamilton is out playing Reeves Maven on the field. And then Bobby Price is equal or maybe ahead of Reeves Maven in special teams. And you've got to look at those, you know, two, yeah. two guys. Where's the roster go? You could easily see him squeezed out and then Bobby Price becomes the new Reeves Maven type of thing. Like, like you said, there's still a long way to go. But there is a hill that COVID has cost Reeves Mabin uh, this offseason. No question. Um, good question here from a burst fire. He asked, how's Julian Aquara look so far? I had him as edge two a couple years ago, and he's been working out of Mika to gain strength on the edge. For a team that needs a huge edge bender, if he steps up, that's huge. I'll be honest, Eric. I've been completely underwhelmed by Julian Aquara so far this camp. I haven't seen him make many, if any, plays thus far. Um, what, what about you? I, I think the plays that stood out for me were when they were in um, like the, the third down stuff, the sub package mm-hmm. stuff where they started moving Trey, Trey Flowers around. And they and, um you know, I, I think let's put this right off the bat. It's Trey Flowers and Romeo. And then Julian is the is the backup at both spots. Right. Right. He just that that's the way it is. Now, Charles Harris is imp- they, you know, we even said Charles Harris is impressing. He, he's not he's not there for Julian. And then Julian has also shown some positional range in sub packages to move off the edge to other yep. spots as well. So sure. there's a lot to like with Julian as far as positional flexibility, but missed most of his rookie year. So there is a learning curve. You know, we're talking about Akuda having a second rookie year. This is a lot of us like a second rookie year for Julian as well. Um, he's not a guy that's going to come in and be a dis- like an immediate disruptor, but there's a role for him in sub packages. There's a role for him uh, where you can put three edge guys on the field at the same time because he's flexible like that. So uh, he's he's he almost he, I, I like i mean he almost looks like a rookie to be honest and right, so right. there's there's a chance for him to be good but it's going to take time still yeah I, I think what we can take most from training camp is that they have a lot of plans for him just because of all the things you just mm-hmm. say they're using him in all these separate situations we just haven't seen it work out yet and, and to be fair like he didn't practice for the second half of yesterday because he was dealing with his rib contusion and we'll, we'll see how long that holds him out if it holds him out at all um, so we've only seen a, a practice and a half with him in pads. So uh, yeah. still kind of figuring that one out. Um, question from our own John Whitaker. Yes. Any chance the Lions keep seven cornerbacks? One of A.J. Brown, or not A.J. Brown. What Brown? Parker. Alex Brown? A.J. Parker, Alex Brown. Alex Brown, A.J. Parker, Jerry or Jacobs. Jerry Jacobs. Uh, I'm going to say no, uh, because I think they're going to want to keep, like, if you, if you only keep four safeties, Maybe. Or if you, uh, I just kind of have like this plan in my head, right? Like where I, where I think they're going to go. Like, like I did those roster dives for the pre-camp articles, right? And I looked yeah. at like 
what were the trends that they've seen and what they're accustomed? And then I applied it to the roster and I said, look, how does this roster kind of like play out with those trends? And and uh, can they offset the trends in certain spots? And, and it's possible. But I, I'm not sure there's room for a seventh, right? Uh, if there was, yeah. I think Jacobs might Jacobs, have a yeah. shot. But um, I don't think A.J. Parker is close, if I'm being completely honest. He's, look, he's had some struggles. Are, there are, he had a, okay on Saturday, he looked good. Right. Uh, he had he had some really nice plays on Saturday, and then on Monday or Tuesday, I forget which one, they the the Lions in total completed three passes of like forty yards. Two of them were against him, and, <laughs> yeah. and there was no way he was catching the guy who caught it who would have went for six. Like it was, and that wasn't just that was that was just two examples, right? Like right. so. Yeah, he, he he's had a very up and down uh, camp. Jacobs has been good, but man, you can see Jacobs is still raw. Uh, yeah. rock, rocky last year as a senior for him, um, and so I think he's still kind of acclimating back to football again. Uh, potentials there. I don't think. Look, with his relationship with Akuda and Oari, I don't think there's any way he's doesn't make the practice squad. Right. Right. Yeah, he'll uh, definitely want to stay here. Before he yeah. signs also, assuming he doesn't get picked up on waivers. And I think that would be a, a very, very big long shot for that. He would ha- yeah, he would have to like really ball out in the, in pre-season. the preseason. Yeah. And if he did, maybe they would consider him. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Uh, I, I think there's six, though. Like, OK. Yeah, I think they're si- their starting six are very clear. Yeah. All right. And then. Is there enough room for Jacobs? I, I don't know. I don't. I, I'm still inclined to think the way that the special, the way that special teams is designed, safeties give you a little bit more value. That's why you probably have two safeties in C.J. Moore and Bobby Price that are going to end up making it. Now, Jacobs has not looked bad on special teams, so you know that'll go a long way to helping him. But I think he, I think he's going to have to show something more in, uh, in the preseason games than he has. Uh, I had a few questions here about Hawkinson, people not hearing much about him from camp. Someone also asking about his yards after the catch, which I presume is just a reference to him falling down all the time after he catches the ball. Uh, what are your early thoughts yeah. on, on Hawk at camp? You know what I think? Like When we write our observation articles, mm-hmm. there are things that are just um, the way they are. Right? Uh, we don't write a lot about Frank Ragnow or Decker because they're good. We expect them to be good. They're good. We don't have to acknowledge that, right? Um, It's kind of that way with Hawk. Like, he's the ever-present underneath target that Goff goes to uh, more than he goes to anybody else, right? Uh, He still does fall down (laughs) more than I would prefer. Yeah. Uh, But, my, he looks looks just like a monster, right? (laughs) Doesn't he? Like, like, I mean, like... He's not the same guy that we draft. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, right? Uh, I mean, they draft. And it's not just the hair. It's not. It's not. <laughs> it's, the, it's the, you know, you want to talk about swagger, uh, yeah. right? He's got some serious swagger, and, and the confidence is just, just pouring out of him. Yeah. Look, when you look at, like, he was in the, he was in the, um, tight end university thing and he was getting acknowledged for his play there like he's a he's a he's a very he's gonna be a very very big part of, of, of this uh offseason i think we haven't acknowledged him just because we expect him to be good so there's no reason to just i mean like 
Yeah, and it's just the way it is. I feel like we wrote all those stories in the spring too, because like we saw it then. We yeah. saw like the the connection with Jared Goff there, and and that that sort of stuff is continuing. By the way, like they're they're continuing to be like hip to hip when they're not practicing. Yeah. Like they're they're talking to each other all the time. They're spending extra time after practice together. Um, that sort of stuff is all still happening. I will say that I haven't seen a lot of plays specifically designed for Hawkinson. Like if you're if you're thinking about a George Kittle style offense where he's the main focus. I haven't seen that yet. That doesn't mean that yeah. that doesn't exist. There's, there's a really good potential that they're, they're hiding a lot of stuff from us and they're still pretty early in the install. So um, I, I would say that, but tight ends are going to catch a lot of balls this year. I'll, I, I will say that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, let's talk about Levi Onzerike again. Cause I've, I've seen a couple of people talk about him and, um, I, I've seen this on Twitter too, a growing amount of Lions fans, a bit concerned that Ali <laughs> McNeil is getting all of the attention and the guy picked before him is getting basically none. So are, are you, are you at all concerned? I mean, obviously injury plays a part into this. We haven't seen Levi in pads at all, but, um, is there any concern to you that like, we, we're, we're talking about all these other defensive tackles and Levi might be like third team at this point. Is that, is that an issue? <laughs> Uh, no, not, not, not for me because we're not talking about him because he's, like you said, he's been a little bit injured. And so there just hasn't been a lot to report on him. If, if he was out there and looking bad, I'd be more concerned. Yeah. Um, we've seen his potential. We know that they're invested in him. There's depth at this defensive tackle, uh, spot that hasn't been there in, in recent years. And McNeil has been playing so well that there's no reason to like have to feel like he needs to be forced in. If, if he's third option, uh, then that's what it is. And, and I think there's enough upside and long-term potential with him that he's going to be a player uh, in this league. We just haven't had the opportunity to see it, so we just haven't been able to comment on it. Yeah. And, and I mean, I get the concern too. Like this, this team does not have a, a very good reputation of picking second round guys. <laughs> and I mean, yeah. is it fair to put Brad Holmes under that crown? Like, obviously not, but it's just, uh, it's just a, a weird happenstance. And, and uh, the, the good news, like you said, is they don't need Onzerike to, to ball out in year one. They have guys. And so yeah. if, if he takes a year to develop, to get healthy, to, you know, just be ready to go and, and be the guy that they think they drafted. That's fine. Nick Williams, Deshaun Hand, and Onzerike are all in that same mold of player. Except, So he's got more of like Nick Williams play style, yeah. but he's got more positional flexibility like Hand. And so he, he has a good year before he really has to be a factor. Uh, whereas McNeil, there's no cat like him, right? There's, there's just not, that's why he's in there. And, and the fact that he's shining, I think is, is encouraging. Uh, I'm, I'm patient. I, I want to see if he steps up great, but you know, got to remember this defensive line has three starter, all three starters from last year. I mean, when, when, Sheldon, when Sheldon got hurt, you had all three starters are all back. Plus you added Brockers and two high two day, two draft picks. Like that's a lot of guys that have some talent level on, uh, on here. So, um, it's it's going to someone is going to have to be five or six. And it's yeah. the odds are it's going to be one of the rookies and it ain't McNeil right now. So that's for sure. <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to close things up here in a second for the podcast. We might do a little overtime for our live audience here. Um, but let's let's you know, I, I hate to end on a down note here, um, but it is an interesting question. And, and sometimes we can be a little too, uh, you know, blue tinted glasses type of thing during training camp. He says, 
Um, from from VJ asking one player that disappointed you during camp so far. I mean, the whole receiver group as a whole has kind of disappointed me. Yeah. Uh, uh, the starters, like the, the the Perryman Williams combo, I was expecting to be a little bit further along. Uh, so. But I mean, that's kind of what we opened with at the top, right? We said, yeah. and it, it, they're the guys that we expected to be further, and and they're not right now. And so that is one of the bigger concerns for me. It, is it cheating just to say the offense as a whole? Like, I, I mean, it, it's a little bit of golf. It's a little bit of the receivers. Yeah. I guess the running backs I don't have an issue with yet, and and really not the offensive line yet either because like you haven't had much much practice in pads, so you don't really know how the running game's going. But it's just. It, it doesn't seem like it's clicking yet. And, and you can see kind of some of the other reporters at Allen Park starting to be like, this is this as bad as it's going to look. And, and yes, oftentimes the defense are ahead of the offense. Oftentimes it takes a while for, for these guys to click. And, and everyone on offense is new. Everyone on offense is new. So it's going to take time for, for chemistry to set in. But, um, you know, I, I joked with a, with a reporter, you know, a few days in camp saying like, is there a chance the defense is better than the offense this year? And he just kind of shook it off and said, no, I don't think so. And, you know, now as camp kind of goes on and this trend is continuing, it, it, it continued again yesterday. It's just like this. And, and maybe maybe it's maybe it's a, a, a feather in the in the defense's cap. Maybe the defense is going to be a lot better than we thought it was, because we I think we just spent almost a full hour talking about it. Like we're, we're pretty hyped about a couple of these guys in the secondary turning around their careers. Defensive yeah. line looks looks pretty legit. And there are some surprises that we've seen so far amongst the linebacking court, too. So maybe the defense is, is, is better than we think it is. But to me, I'm, I'm just concerned about the offense. And I think I, I don't think that that fear in me is really going to be settled until I see the running game. And and so it might take a, a preseason game, preseason game or two to really see the entire picture with the offense. Yeah, it's, it's it's vanilla too, right? Like everything's yeah. vanilla. So you, you you're you're if you want some hope to come out of this conversation, it's that things should get better as things start opening up, and then we should start seeing some of the results that we were expecting to see a little earlier. All right, that will do it for our midweek podcast. First bite. Thanks to Eric Schlitt, our you know what co-host for this podcast <laughs> if you haven't already make sure you're following him at eric schlitt that's eric with a k always got to remind the people s-c-h-l-i-t-t uh, my name is jeremy reisman the the editor-in-chief of pride of detroit find me at detroit online until next time thanks for joining us it's chaos be kind to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, 
wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.